Hey, y'all. Have you ever heard of Old Gods of Appalachia? Well, if you haven't, you have now. Let me tell you. This is a horror anthology podcast, and it is absolutely amazing. They have characters, they have actors, they have different people doing voiceovers. It is so ridiculously dope. Y'all gotta check this out. Um, I'm, I'm like, I'm enthralled. I'm, I, I can't stop listening to it. This shit is crazy. And I gotta tell you, all the actors are, they're straight, they're queer, they're black, they're of color, they're male, they're female, they're they, thems, they, thems. They just, this thing is so diverse, man. And, and it's, there's actually some poets involved with this that I actually admire. So this is a big deal. Y'all gotta check out Old Gods of Appalachia wherever you listen to your podcasts. Hey y'all, it's your fan Black Fluid Poet. Yo, 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 check it out. You got your phone on you right now. You right by your laptop. Yo, peep it. What you gotta do is you gotta go to votesocialist2024.com and you gotta check out the baddest mamma jamma on the political platforms right now, Claudia De La Cruz. Read about her. Learn about her. She's a Latinx from the Bronx, baby. She's been working in activism and helping people all over her whole life. She is the truth. She is what is happening. And you got to look into it because if you're tired of the way politics is going right now, you better ask somebody about Claudia. Claudia got your back. Look into it. VoteSocialist2024.com socialist 2024 Com. Remember to love yourselves, baby, like a Palestinian loves Palestine. Mm. Hey, y'all, it's your fam, Black Fluid Poet, a.k.a. John S. Blake, coming to you live from my humblest abode of books. What's good, fam? Today, December 13th, 2023, this day has been an emotional roller coaster for me. I woke up and, you know, I've been trying lately to stay off my phone from the moment I wake up, right? I've been trying to charge my phone in a different room so when I get up in the morning, I can lay there and I can just ponder and feel and allow myself, allow the day to be dictated organically. Because I'll tell you what happens as soon as I get on social media, I'm going to see a video that's going to piss me off. And I don't want all that cortisol running through my body all day and night. I don't. And I've been taking breaks, literal breaks of entirety for the day from my phone so that my body and my spirit can just enjoy a day. Like, and even if I don't enjoy a day, if I'm going to be upset, I want to be upset because something personal happened to me in real time, not because of something that I saw on a web page or an app in my phone. Because it feels like I'm no longer in control of my emotions. I don't know if anybody else is going through that. I am no longer in control of my emotions. App 
apps. Social media apps have been controlling how I feel and what I think from minute to minute every day. And it has gotten to a point of absurdity. So what I've been doing is I've been taking these breaks from my phone and I've been watching comedy specials. And not just any comedy specials, like comedy specials from the elders, you know, um, Dave Chappelle, Trevor Noah, you know, uh, older, older comedians who have been around a while, who sometimes between jokes will take five, sometimes 10 minutes to just talk to the crowd, talk about their observations, talk about their awareness. And I think comedians are the best communicators on the planet. I don't care what anybody else says. They're the best communicators on the planet. They have a way of connecting with people through emotions that not even uh, the, the larger lot of writers can do, right? And it's enabled me, while listening to them, to check in with myself and my own awareness. And I ask myself, you know, do I do that? Do I feel that? Have I ever thought about that? And by doing so, I have taken my... I don't know what word I'm looking for, but I, I do know the word. Um, oh man, shit. I can't remember the word right now, but I am, I feel like I'm in control again of my day and my, my moments, you know, from, from minute to minute, I can decide how I'm going to feel, you know? Um, I feel like getting on social media is like going to a party. That's how I feel now. And I feel like the people I'm connected to on social media are the people that I talk to at the party. And I have to decide who I want to talk to. I have had people who, since they've connected with me on social media, all they have done is send me videos of dead bodies and bombs exploding. Because they felt that since I had this large platform, I was accountable to keep putting out all this information that they felt was important for other people to see. And because they had smaller platforms, they didn't put it on their own pages. And at first I started to feel this kind of survivor's guilt that, you know, maybe I owed all these people and whatever video they sent me, I should post it and talk about it. And I felt like my life was no longer mine. And it sounds, it, it, when I'm hearing myself say it, it sounds overdramatic. But I swear to you, that's exactly how it feels. So, you know, I've been setting some boundaries and I've been saying to people, hey, look, don't send me videos. I don't, not even funny videos. I don't want anybody else to decide how I should feel right now. And most people I've respected it. Some people were offended. They blocked me. They, you know, disconnected, whatever. And so, um, subconsciously, not subconsciously, but, um, by doing so, I was able to reflect on their motives and to see that they never really wanted to co to connect with me. And, and I'll tell you, I'm a sensitive thug. <laughs> I am a sensitive thug. When people decide to follow me on social media, I'm like honored. I'm like, wow, holy shit, another person wants to like connect with me on social media. Man, this is amazing. Um, even though I know that I'm basically a commercial, their life is you know a show and i am one of the commercials they they go to my to my social media 
platform and they just, they're distracted from whatever's going on in their life for whatever reason, right? So I'm, I'm basically just a distraction. I'm an over-glorified distraction and so are you when we're on social media. However, every once in a while, it, it makes me, um, not makes me, it enables me to feel good about myself that people, for whatever reason, would like to be connected to me on any level, feels good, right? Not narcissist good, like, oh, I am, they, they worship me. It, it's just like, wow, you know, I'm tolerable. <laughs> it feels good to be tolerable sometimes. But today I woke up and my phone was next to me. I must have fell asleep um, while watching. Sometimes I watch uh, Mark Lamont Hill um, on YouTube. Um, I'm a supporter of his YouTube page. Um, because I, the man is brilliant and he helps me to reflect on a lot of stuff. And I also, uh, watch, uh, Dr. Neil deGrasse Tyson, um, because he makes me think about things greater than my own little self. You know, when I listen to, uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson, I, I swear to God, it's like, he reminds me that I am nothing more than a grain of sand on a very, very big beach. And I love that. I love the humility in his, I love the humility I experience when he explains the cosmos, you know? I woke up, I opened up my phone and I made the mistake of going straight to TikTok. And the first video I saw was that IDF soldiers had murdered women and children inside of a UN school in Gaza. And it broke me. I wasn't awake 10 seconds before I started sobbing. And I can't even talk about it now. I haven't been able to talk about it all day. I try to imagine walking into a school and seeing my mother and siblings in a pile. That's, I, I can't wrap my brain around it, you know? So I, I didn't even watch the whole video. I just whew, turned it off, turned off my phone made my coffee, had a couple of cigarettes, um, listened to some music. And then I thought about doing some writing and then I couldn't, I couldn't because I have allowed now other people to dictate how my morning was going to go. And I couldn't, I couldn't shake what I saw. Right. And it's not that I need to shake what I saw. It's not that everybody should avoid seeing what's going on in Gaza. That's not what I'm suggesting. I have been following what's been happening in Palestine for well over a decade. Now, mind you, this has been going on for seven and a half decades. But for at least the last 10 years, I have been following what's been going on to the best of my ability. So this isn't the first time that, you know, I have discovered that Palestinians have been murdered by Israel and the U.S. and the U.K. and Australia. But this was the first time I felt empty. I, I felt like, here, here's, here's the most frightening thought I've ever had since being born and being American. I said, well, looks like just another day. And then I burst into tears because that was the first sign of apathy I have had 
since I was shooting heroin back in the 80s. I literally said, oh, you know, like, it must be Wednesday. It's, you know, it's nothing special. Like, there was a time when finding out something like that was like, they did what? And now, especially in the last two months, now it's, it literally was just another day. I've often wondered how Palestinians can still continue to smile and hug and sing and Because it's just another day for them, man. This is every day. Every day. Every day. And I think there's a, there's a bridge you cross, right? Whether you've ever been in jail or you've ever been in a really toxic and volatile relationship, it gets to a point to where... You ever saw the movie, What About Bob? If you've ever seen that movie, the end of the movie, they discovered this new type of therapy they call, I think they called it bomb therapy or, or time bomb therapy where like, if you walked around with a, with a, with a bomb around your neck, right. And you were told exactly when it was going to go off, you would have anxiety all the way up until the day the bomb went off. But if we put a bomb around your neck, a time bomb, and we said, we don't know when it's going to go off. Well, now, you know, you may have anxiety in the beginning, but after a while you got to live. And so you just accept the fact that someday this could, this bad thing could happen. And I, I tend to think I'm not speaking from personal experience and I'm not, I'm not speaking for anyone else. And I'm not speaking from information that I've gotten from anyone else, but I can give you from my own experiences when you live in a volatile climate like growing up in the projects, living through the AIDS and crack epidemics of the 80s and 90s, you get to a point to where you understand and radically accept that your life could be snuffed out at any second, and that's just how it is. I saw a video of Tracy Morgan not too much time, not, not too many hours later, and Tracy Morgan said, motherfuckers always talking about, you know, looking for the blessings and where's the blessings. And, you know, whenever they get money, they think, yeah, I'm blessed. Whenever they, they find a new lover or they, you know, they, you know, yeah, I'm blessed or something great happens to them. Oh, God's blessing me. No. Life is the blessing. Life is the blessing. There is no other blessing. Life is the blessing. Life is what the universe gives us. The universe ain't giving us some damn money. People talk about manifesting, manifesting money. Motherfucker, shut up. The university never manifested no damn money for you. Life is the universe's manifested blessing. All this other earthly material shit is exactly the opposite of a blessing. It's a fucking curse. And when we minimize the word blessing or miracle down to extra money in a paycheck or somebody sending a cash app or getting a car, it's like bringing God down to, to, to human size, you know? It's trifling. Life is the gift. I love life and that's why I struggle with depression 
because I look out on a world where people aren't allowed, literally prevented from living their best lives. And that's got to be the saddest shit I have ever seen in my entire life. Preventing someone else from living. It's the same reason why I hate gossip. It's like you, you, you're taking somebody out at the knee. They're not even there to defend themselves. And you help to formulate a narrative and an opinion of other people around them when they never had a chance to participate in that discussion. And it's robbing someone of living their best life. It really is. I, I feel, I feel like dying every day, y'all. I'm suicidal, probably, literally suicidal, probably two hours every day, give or take. Six minutes here, three minutes there, 30 seconds, a half hour. But I sit around thinking, I don't want to be here anymore. Two days ago, I was able to get my ID. I got my temporary ID. My, my real card ID is going to be coming in the mail uh, within two to three weeks. And I need to go live my life. It's time to go to a different town, a different city, be around other people. I want to go somewhere where I can feel at least in my domain, in my docile, right? Where, wherever that docile is, wherever that house or apartment or couch or whatever it is, wherever that is, I need to feel safe. I need to feel like I'm in an atmosphere where I can experience joy and peace. And I also need to be physically in, in close proximity to other people, you know? Um, I have learned so much about myself. So much, y'all. I've learned so much about myself. Um, living completely isolated in a camper on a farm in the state of Washington, man. This last two months has been, well, a blessing. I have thought about times in my life that I am embarrassed by, ashamed of, feel a great deal of guilt about. And then I've thought about other moments that I feel so proud of that make me smile. And I needed every day of this time to think about the person that I would like to be, um, to think about the people that I want to have in my life. And let me tell you, I used to dream of being around a swath of people, you know, 10, 20, 30, a hundred, you know, just be out with my friends, having a good time. And now I'm like, I just, I just want a couple people in my life that, that are physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually reliable. And I in turn can be that same thing for them. And you know, I rolled through my phone. And I found maybe three names, three of people who, when I call, they call me back. Or when I call, they pick up the phone. Or when I text, they text me right back. There's, there's a small amount of those people. 
but I found them. And then I did something that I haven't done in a long time. I took the hundreds of contacts in my phone and I started deleting people who I haven't heard from in months or a year. I have started to tell people, hey, you know, um, there's times when you said, hey, I'll call you back and you never did. And um, I can't have people in my life like that. So like, do you want to stay in touch or not? Nah? And, and I, you know, I may have put them on the spot, but I don't feel bad about it, you know? And they were like, you know, I was thinking the same thing the other day and I'm sorry, you know, like, I'm sorry that I've just, I feel like I've taken you for granted. And I was like, no, I haven't called you either, but um, I walk around feeling twisted or, or insecure. Like, I don't know if you really ever do want to hear from me, you know? Um, and plus I'm from a generation before the cell phone. So I'm used to having conversations and not just getting, you know, a digital message across a screen on a little box. You know, I'm used to having full conversations, sitting down, having a meal, having coffee, wine, whatever, smoking a blunt. I don't care what it is, but I've, you know, having physical presence of people, you know, and I miss that. I do. I miss having loving, caring people in my life. And I miss being a loving, caring person in someone else's life. And I've allowed horrible experiences with individuals to change my perception of humanity as a whole. And that's not fair. That's not fair. I would, you know, in the, the, in an ideal world, everyone would be happy at peace and trustworthy. This ain't that world. And I'm, I'm aware of that. But I have to decide how much of myself am I willing to give up? How much pain am I willing to experience or frustration am I willing to have to accept the flaws in the people in my life, of the people in my life, right? Like, you know, everybody has flaws. I have them, you have them, whatever. But those flaws affect the people around me in certain ways. And if I love you and I see you have these flaws, as long as they're not too harmful, I'm like, ah, that's just, you know, that's how they are. It's cool. You know, I've known them for years. It's whatever. But sometimes it's like, no, no, that's not okay. That's not okay. And I've tolerated it for a while because I loved you, but I love me too. And I can't have this happening in my life. And there's been some people who have... Now, I said, you know, I don't hear from you. And they said, you know what? I'm going to try and stay more in touch. And then I didn't hear from them. And I've never set a boundary to where I'm like, I don't want to talk to you anymore. I'm sorry, but like you gave me a word. You said you'd stay in touch. And then I didn't hear from you for the last two weeks right after having that conversation with you. My wife, my ex-wife emailed me probably a month ago. No, two months ago. It was about two months ago, two and a half months ago. Um, to let me know, you know, the dog died, wanted to know how I was doing. And as I was about to respond, right, I see this, uh, someone sent me a link to a TikTok video. And, and I, I look at this video and it is, uh, what's her name? Zendaya, Zendaya right? And it was her, you know, acting and she was, she was playing a role and she says in, in the video, it's a short video, but she says, 
You left me. I needed you and you weren't there. You left me when I was at my lowest. And I have never said that to anyone. I felt it. Ooh, I have felt it numerous times. But I've never said it. And I thought about sending that message to my ex-wife. Child was, this is the beginning of the pandemic. I had just gotten out of rehab. I was clean, you know, about four months. I felt bad about drinking um, during my marriage, you know. I started drinking in my marriage because I knew my wife was having an affair. And I couldn't, I didn't have the courage or the humility to confront her about it. I just didn't say anything. And then I went back to school. And while I was back in school, she had another affair and another affair. And I was, okay, it's whatever. Um, that's not it's whatever. But, you know, I accepted that that's just, that's just where it was, you know. And I started using again. Um, that's not her fault. That, that has, that's no reflection on her. That was all me. Um, that's how I chose to deal with the hurt or not deal with the hurt. That's, cho that's how I chose to cope while I was finishing my degree. I knew I couldn't afford to quit school. I, I was not, no matter what happened, I kept telling myself, no matter what happens, college is about rigor. And no matter what happens, I'm going to get this degree. And I cried my way through many a final, <laughs> many a term paper, pulling an all-nighter, working at Starbucks, carrying 21 credits. I was working, y'all hear me? And it was a combination of determination, Adderall, and tequila. I ain't even gone front. And there was even some cocaine in there somewhere for a while. Um, and before I went to rehab, it was a lot worse. But during the pandemic, my wife sent me this message. For whatever reason, there was some shit that I had done while I was in active addiction. And, and it was real dark. I had done some really dark shit. Um, hanging out with a much younger woman who I had known for a while. And, uh, between drugs, loneliness, vulnerability, self-centeredness, the whole nine shit got real ugly. And anyway, my wife sends me this message in the middle of the pandemic and says, you are dead to me. The beginning of the pandemic, you are dead to me. Her last words to me. And then I didn't hear, actually, that wasn't her last words to me, but the next time I heard from her, she was letting me know that the divorce was final and with an exclamation point. That was that. Found out she burned my book collection. And all the, all the while, I was trying to find a way to forgive her. And I keep reflecting back to Zendaya just saying, I was at my lowest and you left me when I was at my lowest. You weren't there when I was at my lowest. And thinking it's the fucking pandemic. I got four months clean. You didn't want to be married. And then you got on your high horse and judged me for shit I was doing in my addiction. I was at my lowest. And you left me. You all left me. And I thought I didn't have a right to feel that way because I too was making mistakes, but that's not true. And I'm looking out at the political climate 
And I realized this abandonment issue I have is coming up when I reflect on my government. My own personal trauma and issues comes up when I look at this president, when I look at Congress and the House, and I'm like, we are at our lowest point. There are bodies of children and women piling up everywhere. And y'all left us at our lowest point. When we needed you most, y'all had left us. And it is in that hurt, it is precisely at these moments that I cannot make decisions on what to do next because the feelings are so visceral that I start thinking nonviolence is not the best option. I start thinking that being alive isn't the best option because what's the point of being here if I'm not allowed to be at peace? Where is there truly to go when the whole world is on fire? I am struggling to find hope. I think of Baldwin saying, the world is held together, truly held together by the love of a few people. And I think that at, at some points, at, at various points, random points in my life, I was one of those people I don't know if I'm one of those people anymore, and I'm trying, y'all. I'm trying so hard. <laughs> Speaking of Pulp Fiction, Samuel Jackson, I'm trying, Ringo. I'm trying real hard to be the shepherd. And it is so easy to quit. That is to say, it is so easy to give up on hope or love. It's so easy. It's so much easier. You don't know how easy it is. And trust me, coming from the hood and being in the military, I can promise you it is much easier to put down a pen and pick up a gun. It's fucking easy. But you can't unring those bells. You feel me? Agency. That's the word I was thinking of earlier. When I, when I don't look at my phone early in the morning, I've, I'm in, I'm, I have my agency back. You know, where I get to decide the direction on how my emotions are going to go in the morning. That's what I was thinking. But now, okay, back to where I am. But just like how social media is, has begun dictating how I'm going to feel throughout the day, I believe that paying too close attention to politics will also dictate my spirit. What I feed my spirit about politics. I could focus on... Mike Johnson and APAC, 24 hours a day, and I can get more and more miserable. And trust me, if you do that, you will break before these narcissistic politicians or journalists do. You will break because you don't have any motivation to continue to take all of that pain on. See, they're motivated to be negative. They're motivated to be malicious and brutal. They're making millions. They are setting up their legacies. They are taking care of their children's finances by lying to us, by stealing from us, 
you know, by allowing Israel to kill Palestinians and Syrians and the Lebanese and uh, the, the, the Yemeni. Is that how you say it? I think that's how you say it. Um, there is uh, a financial reward at the end of the day for uh, pushing Palestinians out to Rafah and letting them die. The only reward I have in fighting for what is right for Palestinians or oppressed people anywhere, the Congolese, you know, in, 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 uh, uh, I'm sorry, I'm having a hard time. Um, uh, Tigray, um, you know, in Niger, in Haiti, Dominican Republic, Maui, the people sitting in prison in, in Iran, there's so much and I'm spread so thin some days because I, when I focus on one issue, I feel like I, I don't, I didn't spend enough time talking about the other issue and I feel like people are just dying all around me, man. And then I realize my junkie ass is still here. Y'all, I've done some foul shit in my life and I will never understand why the universe allows allows a Palestinian boy in Chicago to be stabbed to death and lets my raggedy ass stay here for 53 years. I'll never be able to wrap my head around those kinds of circumstances. And then I realized life isn't about deserve. It's just a blessing. It's a blessing. I never get to the blessings are, are things you, you know, blessings and curses are things I don't get a vote in. They come. And then I get to decide what category they go into. You know, these random gifts that come into my life, gifts being good or bad. Um, you know, this, I don't know, stimuli, whatever it is, things that, that happen, you know, events or, you know, whatever the noun is. I know that I get to decide if it's good or bad or neither or both. And living life is both and it's neither. I think I would be spending what time I have left at the end of the time I have left is what I want to say. I don't believe I'll know even then if this has been a blessing or a curse, but I do get to make that decision if I want to. But as long as I believe that life is a blessing, I'll fight harder for oppressed people. Because if I convince myself that living life is this fucking ongoing curse in perpetuity, I won't fight that hard for myself, for my neighbor, for my community, or anyone else on the world at large. Because I'll think, maybe God did them a favor getting them out of here. And as soon as I start telling myself some shit like that, they win. The brutes win when I stop loving life. 
as soon as I think life ain't worth fighting for, I will stop fighting for oppressed people. I will stop fighting for my own divine gift. I will relinquish my own divine rights to exist, to be happy, to be forgiven by me. I hope the things I've said tonight make sense. I feel connected to everyone and all alone at the same time. And even though I feel like I really don't want to be here, I'm so grateful to be here. Andre Brower died yesterday. I believe we all got the news yesterday. He died at 61. And if I was 20, I'd be like, shit, man, he lived a whole life. But I'm 53. That's eight years from now. That is less time than it took for me to get my master's degree. Not about the same, actually. But that goes quick. For you young people, any, any young people that listen to my podcast, let me tell you, eight years will go by so motherfucking fast. You'll be like, wait, wait, hold up. Where'd that shit go? Hold on. How'd we get here? Trust me when I tell you. Trust me when I tell you. If you are 18, 19, 20, 21, 25, 28, around those ages, let me tell you, you will be 45. And you will say to yourself, holy shit, all my plans. Wait a minute, hold up, who sped up the clock? Yo, yo, how did I, where'd this gray hair come from? How did I get this belly? Like, the fuck are these stretch marks? Who are these kids? Where are these kids come from? The fucking teenagers running around my house. Last time I looked, I was sitting in a bar with a friend of mine. I was turning 21. Now I got motherfuckers eating food out of my fridge who don't do dishes. Like, <laughs> like, what is going on here? What is happening in this world? I want to, at the end of my life, I, I hope, my hope for me is that I'm not sorry for living. I'm not sorry for taking up space. And that I did good for at least some people, more than one person. I hope I did good for some people. I know I've talked about this before, y'all, but my mom took her life. And I think, you know, being around the holidays and not having family, it starts to get to you, you know. My mom gave me some money to go to the store. And while I was at the store, she took her life. And being an intelligent person, I never forgave myself for not seeing the signs. I never forgave myself for being gullible enough to trust my mother at a time when she was struggling with depression. I didn't ask any questions. I just left. And I never forgave myself for not paying more attention to what was happening. You know, I, my mom went to prison when I was a teenager. She came home. I was, I don't know, somewhere in my late 20s and 
we could barely spend time together. And then I was in my 30s and she was on her deathbed. And I went and left New York City to be with her in New Jersey. And then all of a sudden she was gone. And I was like, I... altogether, I think I had 16 years with my mother altogether over a 33-year time span. I think I spent maybe 16 years with her. If my mother didn't go to prison, I probably would have died from drugs. I would have died from the toxic atmosphere that my mother created with me as a kid. I, I probably would have been dead a lot sooner. You know, my mother going to prison was a gift. I didn't see it at the time. I thought it was a curse, but when my mother was pulled out of the picture, people who weren't using drugs, who weren't violent, were, were placed in my life for one reason or another through whatever circumstances. And I was able to learn spirituality, unconditional love, forgiveness, accountability, responsibility. Like I was able to learn things that I would have never learned in the dope house I was being raised in. It's the only thing that saved me. My mother going to prison was the only thing that saved me when I was a teenager. And it was hard. It didn't feel like a blessing, let me tell you. And I'm at that same kind of place now where I feel like, I feel like it's almost like my mother's dying all over again. And I get to reflect on what I'm going to do with this time. I feel all the fantasies, all the uh, window dressing that I thought about my country or the world at large or people in general, I feel like all of that's gone. And this is really what everything looks like, both good and bad. But this is, this is it. This is what it really looks like. And I get to decide not how the world is going to be, but how I'm going to be in said world. And I can't control how many people die. I can't control how many bombs explode. I can't control whether Israel takes over Palestine or not. I am not in control of that. I'm not in control of the U.S. or, you know, Biden's brutality and the greed of the 1% and minimum wage never going up. And I, I, I can't control all of that shit, man. But what I can do is decide every day how I am going to allow the world's influence in my life and what influence I'm going to have on others in this world. That's all I got. I don't have anything else. And truthfully, neither do you. Love yourselves, y'all. Like a Palestinian loves Palestine. I'm out. Hey, y'all. Uh, your fam, Black Fluid Poet. Check it out. If you love this podcast, I want to thank you for favoriting the podcast because it means the world to me. However, the way I can get more advertisers is to have more subscribers. If advertisers um, see that... Um, I have a lot of subscribers, they will be more willing to give me opportunities to advertise for them. So in order for me to get these ads, I need to get to a decent amount of subscribers. So you come here to anchor.fm and you go to support and you can pick 99 cents, 4.99 or 9.99. 
please feel free to pick 99 cents. I, I, I am overjoyed at anyone who wants to support my dream of getting this podcast taking off. You know what I'm saying? So please just consider it. If I could get a thousand subscribers, I could get out of this poverty thing. You know what I'm saying? Because, yo, the struggle is real. Y'all take care.